Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. On our program today, I'm going to well, maybe seemingly depart a bit from our usual message or character or tone. Maybe a bit, but maybe not at the same time. The reason is because I am a priest, I'm a pastor. And so I'm very, very concerned that people and the people that I work with, the people that listen to me on the program here, are always very clear about the church, the church east and west, what the church says about, well, especially the moral hot-button issues of our day. And recently, an issue came out in the news that supposedly said that Pope Francis had a conversation with a young man from Chile. And in that conversation, the young man claimed that the Pope said that God made him with same-sex attraction and that the Pope loves him and God loves him. And this has gone throughout the world, throughout the media, and this story has created a lot of confusion. Many people have turned to me for some kind of explanation, some kind of support. What do we say? How do we respond to this? People who are antagonistic to the church will sometimes use this to kind of continue to criticize us and criticize the church. And many people have asked me, well, what do I say? How do I respond? And because I'm a pastor and a priest, I want the world, everybody, whoever listens to me or I work with, to understand church teaching. That's why I'm behind this microphone. I happen to be conveying what the church says, what the church is about, primarily through an Eastern perspective. But there is something at the same time universal about my being a priest and pastor. I care for all people, and I care for the whole church. So I want to make sure that people are clear about the church, especially when something comes up as significant as this, because this is really a significant confusion. Because it seems as though the Pope is saying something that the world loves to hear, that he's sort of complying with the world, or he's bending the teachings of the church to comply with the world. Well, first of all, we don't really know exactly 
what went on between the Pope and this young man in a private conversation. We don't know what the Pope said and what context he actually said it, how the young man interpreted it, and eventually how he then mentioned it to the world, to the media. So we're going to leave that door open. But because it's out there and people are confused, I want to bring about some clarity. And this will also touch on, believe it or not, some riches of the Eastern churches. One of those riches is Eastern ecclesiology. You see, in recent years, actually it's gone on for several decades now, the church, the Catholic church, has been blessed with tremendous figures in the papacy. Men of great holiness and wisdom, of courage and fortitude and love and charity and vision. Great men who have really clarified what the church says about just about every topic. These were towering figures. John Paul II is certainly among them. And because of that, it could be that the papacy is sort of a like a downside to a good thing. The papacy may have grown to proportion that the eastern lung of the church would find to be maybe a little disproportionate. In other words, the pope becomes so identified with the church, and in a sense almost bigger than life, that it could actually begin to distort a truer concept of the church and of the papacy. Now, again, this comes from a wonderful thing, sort of a downside of a wonderful thing, of having wonderful popes, great, tremendous leaders. But now Pope Francis comes along, and he's a different kind of pope. He has a different background, and so you're going to get a different product, so to speak, (laughs) quote-unquote. And what he does, actually, is he'll say things that will sometimes create confusion, or maybe he wants people to just think about something, chew on something, so he kind of throws it out there. And what's happening is it's making people scratch their head about this pope. Many people like it. Many people are confused or uneasy about it. It makes them scratch their head. And I think on the positive side of that, and coming from an Eastern perspective of ecclesiology, maybe, who knows, we're just speculating what the Holy Spirit might be doing. Because remember, God works in very different ways. He works on however he wants to work, and he often works with the crooked lines that we hand him, and he makes them straight. He works through even tragic things, even evil things. As we know from his death and resurrection, he triumphed over evil. He can turn the cross, the most evil thing there is, into something triumphant, something holy. So maybe what's happening And again, I'm just saying maybe. Maybe what's happening is the Holy Spirit is working in the church, and through this pope is maybe bringing about a little more proportionate concept of the pope and the church, which could work towards the strengthening of the church, the rank and file of the church. In other words, we just don't, in a sense, leave it all up to the pope, that there is other aspects and levels of the church which have to be responsible and faithful and which need to speak and to be evangelical, and to be strong. And maybe that's what's happening here through this particular pope. We haven't had a pope like this in, I don't remember how long, if ever, who, whenever he says things, and again, most of what he says, a lot of what he says, I should say, is spontaneous, kind of shooting from the hip. Remember, this is a day and age of paparazzi and media and interviews, so they're always kind of poking at him, always kind of baiting him, and he seems to like to respond And he seems to be freer in his speech than most popes. And so he's going to say things that are going to be, well, a lot of them are going to be just his opinion or maybe his preferences or things that he's maybe thinking out loud 
or maybe he's voicing out loud what a lot of people think. So you're getting a different kind of thing, and maybe maybe that's good. I'm saying maybe. But at the same time, to try to heal some of the confusion that's coming from this, I want to be very clear in our program today, especially in particular about this issue that was brought up recently when the Pope spoke to a man with same-sex attraction. Now, this man was a victim of clergy sex abuse in Chile, and you may have heard there was a great controversy there over that and ended up with all of the bishops of Chile offering to resign if the Pope chose for them to resign, if he accepted the resignation. So that's pretty unprecedented in history. So he was a victim of this, and he had a private conversation with the Pope. And in that conversation, this young man claimed the Pope said, quote-unquote, God made me this way. Now, whether or not the Pope actually said that or not, we have to bring some clarification to that. And this is another opportunity to learn something else about the gems, the gifts of the Eastern churches. Because this is a case where living in the both and is vital. In living the both and is one of the, I think, one of the, if not the greatest genius of the Eastern long of the church, because that's what mystery is about. Mystery is about the confluence of two complementary things. Those things are something revealed and known, at the same time something unknown, something beyond us. And we live right where they converge. And the Eastern churches do this a lot in their liturgy and all their spirituality. They don't tend to be as well specific about certain things as in the West. The West, because of their genius for the rational explanation, tends to be a little less at ease in that confluence. They tend to wonder how something can be this and that at the same time. The East will say, well, it just is. Just live it. It's this and that. That's the way it is. We don't know. It's a mystery. Now, it doesn't mean the East is being irresponsible and just sort of saying, oh, well, they're not doing that. Mystery is a very real thing. It's a very relevant thing. And so, in this case, there is a real need for the Eastern both-and spirituality here. And the reason is because of this. There's a very important nuance in this whole issue of, supposedly, the Pope saying God made someone with same-sex attraction. The both-and factor is this, that God would not make someone with same-sex attraction. God makes persons, and those persons develop through life, and those developmental stages are critical. Things can happen to them, or things may not happen to them that are important for their development, and a person may develop different kinds of what we call disorders. That can be various kinds. It can be a disorder of thinking, a disorder of behavior. It can be different kinds of neurosis. These are disorders. One among those disorders is same-sex attraction. The both and in this is where we look at the person in terms of you are a person, but there is also a development and a behavior. And it's not about being either or, like I was born this way or I am not born this way. And there's a very important reason why we have to make that distinction and live in the both and. I'm going to explain that when I return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, 
we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Save, save, save. The dates for Prairie Fest, Friday through Sunday, August 10th through the 12th, at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. More info at byzantinecatholic.com. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyer, your host. We're departing and same time, maybe not departing, from our usual message here of the gifts of the Eastern churches. We are still talking about them, but we're applying them, though, to a contemporary issue. And that issue, of course, is the one that got around in the media, where the Pope presumably told a young man with same-sex attraction that God made him this way. And so God loves him, the Pope loves him, we shall all love him. And I'm making the point here, I'm bringing in a little gem from the Eastern spirituality, where nuance is needed here, and especially the nuance of living in the both and. You see, if we say, and a lot of people do believe, and it's it's erroneous to believe this about people, that a person is born or made that way with same-sex attraction, then that makes this either-or distinction, where this is how I am as opposed to someone who is not this way, and because I'm this way, I was born this way, therefore I must be accepted in terms of every aspect related to being born this way. In other words, to a same-sex lifestyle. So you see the danger of not living in the both and, of being either or. It's something like a package deal, like it's all this or it's all that. And so this is very dangerous because living in the either or rather than the both and can lead us down to the path of lifestyles which are not good for us or for the world or for civilization. And the church makes a distinction between what is ordered and disordered. Now, a lot of times we get all upset about this word, like it's some kind of an insult. But actually, it's not at all. It simply means this. And here I bring in another strong point of Eastern spirituality. Again, that mystical view where we see the invisible made visible through the physical. In other words, there is an order of creation. There's a way that God made things. And we participate in that order. And our call is to see that order. Our faith really is a matter of seeing. It's about vision, having the right vision, a sacramental, mystical vision, where we see that order of creation revealed in every aspect of life. It's all ordered. It points to a very ordered existence an intelligence, a benevolent intelligence, a loving, wise intelligence. For example, whatever goes up must come down because that's according to the order of something called gravity. Gravity is part of the order of creation, the order of the earth, order of the universe. Things spin around and they create gravitational pulls. Well, God made us male and female. 
as it says in the scripture. The fact that we, we may be in some way, even at birth, imperfect in those areas, or we become disordered as we grow up, does not change the fact that God made us male and female. And he wills that we develop in a way and live in a way that is completely consistent with with all that it means to be male or female. Now, when someone, as they grow up, develops a same-sex attraction, that is out of the order of things. It's not an insult. It's not a put-down. We're not saying they have a disease or something. We're not even talking about them as a person. We're talking about a condition that they did not choose that happened to them, and it did not happen at birth. What does happen at birth, what does happen even before birth, in the development of the womb, what happens even before that, is God designs every person to be unique. What does happen is a person develops a certain personality and gifts and gifts of character and personality. In other words, who they are, their nature. One person has a certain nature, another one has a different nature. You see this even in identical twins. They will be different in their personalities. They're similar, but yet different. Every human being is unique, unrepeatable, absolutely unrepeatable. And our natures are all absolutely unique to us. They may have similar characteristics, but they're absolutely unique. Now, because they're different unique, they will respond to different life experiences, and they'll respond differently even to the same type of life experiences. So what happens is a person grows up with a certain disposition because of their nature, and things happen to them along the way developmentally, and things maybe don't happen to them along the way that are good or not good. And so they'll respond to those stimulus according to their nature. Now, someone else will respond to those same stimulus or lack of stimulus according to their nature, and they'll come out differently. So a person with same-sex attraction really is responding out of their nature, which generally is a more sensitive nature. They're responding to stimulus that either was not there that should have been there or was there that should not have been there at certain critical developmental stages. And when something is not there that should have been there, it creates a wound. And developing same-sex attraction is actually one way of responding or translating out that wound. And those wounds are generally on a more fundamental human level, the level of the person. See, no one is born with same-sex attraction. No one is born with any kind of sexual disorder, transgenderism, same-sex attraction, etc. They are born and made, created by God as a person. A person. That's an important word. A person means a creature modeled after God. God is the ultimate person. He is ultimate being, which means a person has to reflect God. See, a dog, you know, your pets, your dog, like my dog, Zeon, has a personality, but he's not a person. A person has a certain intelligence, self-determination, an immortal soul, an openness to transcendence. No other creature has this on earth except the human creature, the human person. That's what makes us persons. And a person is always, as St. John Paul II tells us in his great book, Love and Responsibility, is always deserving of just that, love and responsibility. A person always has dignity, worthy of respect, because we're made in the image likeness of God. However, as a person grows up, 
through no fault of their own, certain things can happen to them. They can hurt them. They can, in a sense, kick their development off kilter a bit, and they can develop what we call disorders. They did not choose that. They were not born that way. And this is why they're always deserving of love. You know, maybe this is what the Pope was driving at, whatever he said to that young man. Maybe he was trying to tell him that, okay, you were made by God, a certain kind of person, a kind of personality, and what happened to you, you were sexually abused, caused you to develop this same such attraction because that abuse happened on top of the person God made you to be. That was on top of your nature. It's not a matter of you were made by God with same-sex attraction. God would not do that. He would not make us male or female then be like a practical joker. Oh, joke's on you. I made you a male, but you really are attracted to the same gender. Think about that. Why would we assign something like that to God? Things happen to us. God, of course, understands but he looks for us to choose to live according to his order, to move beyond the restrictions of our disorder, to be chaste, to be honest to who we are. For example, when somebody is born blind, what do we do for them? Or they're born deaf. Don't we try to make them as their lives as normal as possible by equipping them with things that help them help to replace, in a sense, their eyesight that's not there? Don't we give a a blind man something to walk with, a seeing eye dog or other kind of apparatus to help him, braille books and so like that? Don't we do things that help a blind person become as normal as possible in the way that they live day to day? Yes, because they were born with this blindness or deafness, or they maybe they developed that through some kind of illness or injury. But we try to move them towards a person who can see. Well, why is it we don't do the same thing when it comes to certain disorders of sexuality, like same-sex attraction, transgenderism, and something like that? The world just tells us, oh, you have to accept that person. And the question becomes, what does it mean to accept them? Does it mean to accept a lifestyle that oftentimes is associated with that disorder? Because that lifestyle does, in fact, go against God's order, God's will. It is self-destructive and destructive to society. That's just the fact. So if we accept somebody, we accept them as a person, but we don't accept anything that would not be good for them and good for society. So you see, this is why living in the both and is so important, even to contemporary issues. We can take the person as a whole instead of either or. We don't identify them like a label, a category. They're not a thing. They're not a creature. They're not a homosexual. They're a person who, through no fault of their own, has developed an attraction to the same sex, the same gender. This is the difference. And finally, again, as I mentioned, maybe it's a time to be influenced in a positive way by the gifts of the church, the Eastern churches, in terms of ecclesiology, which has just a little bit less emphasis on one singular leader. Rather, it's more of a local ecclesiology where each church, with its own patriarch, you know, major bishop, other bishops, priests, deacons, monks, laity, make up a complete church. Even if they're not in union with the Pope in the Eastern ecclesiology, it still remains a complete church. Maybe some of that influence 
can be helpful. Some of that gift of the Eastern churches can be helpful to the West as we all help each other with our respective gifts and breathe with both lungs of the church. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. are some saints and martyrs who were beheaded with a greater peace than I have when someone cuts me off on the freeway or my teenagers running late for school. If I find someone's driving me crazy, the problem isn't that person. It's me. Whenever someone disturbs your inner peace, your inner life is too disturbable. Jesus showed us in the way to Calvary that no one can take your hope, your joy, your peace, or even your love for them. No one can make you act or feel anything. When Jesus reigns in our hearts and minds, we don't hand over that kind of power to any human being. So if you're letting someone drive you crazy today, maybe God's telling you to build up the interior castle of your heart so that nothing disturbs you. But that comes from prayer. As St. Paul wrote from prison, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Then the peace that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!